Hey, welcome to the MOD report. This is a special segment where I want to deliver information regarding the Coronavirus Response Act signed by President Trump yesterday on March 18th, 2020. And I also want to talk about um, some information regarding how to manage employees who are working remotely, who are working remotely, as I know a lot of uh, employers have gone this route. And so wanted to bring that to you as I have recently um, got an article put together that we'll post on the blog uh, in the next several days uh, for you. So first, let's talk about uh, the COVID-19 Coronavirus Response Act that was proposed by the House of Representatives several days ago under H.R. Bill 6201, signed by the U.S. Senate and then officially brought into law by President Trump as of March 18th. Now, to be clear, the law that was signed by President Trump does not take effect until 15 days. So that puts us at April 3rd. April 3rd would be 15 days from the time of this podcast um, is when that will officially be law. Now, let me, there's a lot of information flying out there, and I'm sure you've probably heard some of this already. Um, so I just want to provide a brief summary of what the uh, Coronavirus Response Act is all about and what to expect. So the law has two um, <laughs> two ugly heads are rearing their way out of the situation. It's known as the Emergency Family and Medical Leave Expansion Act, as well as the Emergency Paid Sick Leave Act. Now, I want to remind you that this is United States federal law. So the federal government has created this law. However, that does not mean that states cannot come up with their own more strict version. So please continue to follow uh, any resources that you have available to you to make sure that your state doesn't essentially override federal government and come out with a more stringent, more strict law as it relates to paid sick leave and FMLA. So for example, in California, if the governor wants and the legislature wants, they could essentially come up with its own version of paid sick leave and um, and come up with a more strict version of CIFRA, the California Family Rights Act, which is California's version of FMLA. As of now, as I'm following the legislature, there is no information uh, coming out of the state uh, uh, assembly or Senate in California around those areas. So right now we will follow federal law uh, unless that changes. So let's first talk about the Emergency Family and Medical Leave Expansion Act, which goes into effect in 15 days, so around April 3rd. So what this act does is that it amends and it expands the Family Medical Leave Act, but only on a temporary basis up and through December 31st, 2020. And it applies to employers that have 500 employees or less. You heard me right, folks. If you have one employee up to 500 employees, this law is for you. If you have more than 500 employees, this law does not apply to you. It does not apply to you. So the the law does a couple things is in terms of uh, who is responsible. So you have to have 500 employees or less. 
the employee has had to have worked for you for 30 days prior. So there's a 30-day waiting period. So that's a definitely big change compared to the standard FMLA. And it, what it does is it provides job-protected leave, job-protected leave to employees for a COVID-19 coronavirus-designated reason, okay? So um, essentially, oh, and real quick, this excludes healthcare providers, just to be clear, and other small businesses of less than uh, 50 employees, but it's only some small businesses. So again, you might want to check with your attorney to make sure that's applicable. Um, okay, so reasons for emergency leave. Um, when an employee comes to you and says that I want job protection leave, they would be able, as a result of COVID coronavirus, this is 12 weeks of job protective leave. And it allows an employee who's unable to work or to even be able to work from home, in other words, telecommute, um, that's the first reason, if they're unable to work or telecommute. Second, if the employee's child, who's under the age of 18 years old, um, and they are not able to go to child care because those services are not available due to this public health emergency, that is when the employee may request FMLA. Okay? Now... With that, FMLA comes with another caveat, and it's paid leave. It comes with paid leave. So not just job protection, but also paid leave for the reasons of emergency leave. And again, to be clear, that's to care for themselves or to care for the employee's child if that child cannot get into daycare. So that's where it applies. And if those criteria do apply, then it's my understanding of the bill that they can request that time off for 12 weeks of job protection and they could receive paid leave by your company. Your company has to pay for this paid leave, okay? And there is a waiting period to receive that paid leave of 10 days. After that 10-day period, the employee who is a full-time employee may receive pay by the employer of two-thirds of the employee's regular weight, uh, rate, but that is capped at $200 per day or a total of $10,000, all right? It's an aggregate, so meaning no more than $10,000 will be paid to that employee during that paid leave. Now, of course, uh, for non-full-time employees, this is also applicable. If they've worked less than six months prior to, to the leave, um, you're going to do a calculation in order to do that. So if you're wondering how to do that, you can pull this information directly from the bill or uh, you can contact me directly if you like uh, at inospire.com and I'll be uh, more than willing to walk you through it. So with that, um, you have to protect that job for that employee until they are ready to come back. So again, it's for those two reasons though, job protective leave. Now, here's where, in my opinion, it gets a little scary, and that is the Emergency Paid Sick Leave Act is a part of this as well. The reason for paid sick leave is when the employee wants to take paid sick leave because of several reasons, and there's six criteria that the bill outlines. That could be, first, that the employee is required by a government, whether that's federal, state, or local, county, or city, 
when they are required to go under quarantine or isolation under an order related to COVID-19. All right, so if your local government says everybody must stay inside and we are imposing a curfew and you are required to stay inside and cannot leave for any circumstances, that would satisfy this requirement. Number two, if you are advised by a healthcare provider, if you go in and you get a test and it comes back positive for COVID-19 and that healthcare provider puts you out, then yes, you uh, would be entitled to paid sick leave. If you are experiencing symptoms of COVID-19 symptoms and are currently seeking, seeking medical diagnosis, then you too would be able to collect unpaid sick leave. Furthermore, if you are caring for someone, caring for someone that has been subjected to state or local quarantine, and you are caring for that family member uh, and that individual then you are subject to receive paid sick leave. Also, that applies to caring for your child. If the child's school, which is pretty much everywhere now, I believe, don't quote me on that, but I know in the state of California, all schools are canceled um, and no one can go onto campus. But if they are, um, if that, if that child if that child's school is closed and they need to be taken care of, that is where you can do that and collect paid sick leave. And lastly, if there is a substantial or um, some other condition that the federal government, the Department of Health and Human Services or the Secretary of Health and Human Services comes along and says that you know uh, these conditions apply, in conjunction with the Secretary of Labor and Treasury, then that too would be applicable. Now, who's eligible? Well, it's the same as FMLA. That is, if you have less than 500 employees, you will be entitled to 80 hours, 80 hours, which is generally around 10 days, of paid sick leave at the employee's regular rate. Now, in this situation, there is a cap, but um, the cap for this is $200. Um, actually, let me back that up. Uh, paid sick leave wages are limited to $511 per day or up to $5,110 total. So again, this is an aggregate total of $5,110 for individual employee paid sick leave or they could use $200 per day or $2,000 total if they need to care for someone else. So if they need to take care of themselves under paid sick leave, it's $511 a day for a maximum of $5,110. Or if they are caring for someone else, it's $200 per day or up to $2,000 as the aggregate. And to be clear, this is not carried over. Paid sick leave is not carried over. Now, this is effective and uh, 15 days after it's enacted. So again, around April 3rd. And it is effective until December 31st, 2020. As part of this act, and I'll just breeze through this quickly. As part of this act, um, it has been passed that $1 billion in emergency grants for states to help fund unemployment will be granted. And on top of that, as it relates to you employers out there, you will receive a tax credit for paid sick and paid family and medical leave. Now, it's a reimbursement 100% from the government that should you provide such leave, the government will give you a refundable tax credit of 100% of the qualified sick leave wages that you paid 
within this calendar quarter in adherence to the emergency paid sick leave. And what they're actually doing is they're looking at your social security tax that you pay and they're giving you the reimbursement on that tax that you are doing through payroll. Now, I don't have any other information outside of that. You may want to contact your department of finance uh, at your companies or your CPA, your certified public accountant, to see how this is going to be administered because unfortunately I'm not a financial expert, but those tax credits do relate to your payroll tax under social security and will be reimbursed by the federal government. But as in terms of timeline, that I can help you with my friends. My guess is they will be backlogged is how I see that coming. So with that, that is the update for COVID-19 Coronavirus Response Act from the federal government. And now what I would like to discuss is looking at managing employees who are working remotely, managing employees who are working remotely. So let's talk about that after this very, very, very short break so I can literally catch my breath. All right, we're back. I caught my breath. I took a shot of vodka. No, I'm kidding. I am drinking lots of water though. Drinking lots of water. All right, let's talk about managing employees who are working remotely, working remotely. So working remotely is nothing new. Uh, and many business professionals have carried out their everyday duties from home for years, right? So there are several benefits to this type of work several benefits. But today, in light of the COVID-19, we're finding that employers are essentially running around with their heads cut off, trying to figure out how to do it, right? So how to make it happen, because this is very new for everybody. So here are some helpful management techniques for your remote workers. It's, it's, it's widespread, right? That remote workers are taking care of business as usual while they are working from home, but it doesn't have to be a stressful experience. So let me share with you some tips in managing your at-home employees if you are new to this process, okay? Number one, number one, do not worry that they're not working. This relates to trusting your people. Those who have never worked from home often have a common misconception of remote workers. You know, they believe that those remote jobs sit around all day picking their noses and doing laundry and doing all these things and playing with their kids and doing the least amount of work as possible to get by. But quite honestly, that's not the case. In fact, research has shown that remote workers record on average around four more hours each week than their equivalents than when they are at the work site. This information was taken from a Gallup survey of the State of the American Workplace Report. There have also been similar studies conducted that show remote workers do as much as 13% more work overall than traditional workers. So you can be assured that your reliable employees are just as loyal while working at home as they were in the office. Trust your employees, trust them. If they know that you trust them, they too will trust you in a time of crisis. Number two, don't expect these remote employees to work the traditional nine to five. Keep in mind the nine to five is, and the 40 hour work week was invented by the Ford Motor Company 
during when the Model T was being uh, assembled on an assembly line, there was no magic study or research or formula that said that employees are most productive at eight hours a week and at 40 hours a week. That's, that's all BS. That's actually not even true. So don't expect employees to work this magical nine to five, assuming that that's their most productive time. One of the most significant advantages of working from home is that remote workers have more flexibility and don't have to stick to some kind of strict adherence schedule. This allows them to take care of other appointments, let's say, that they might be experiencing, including this medical issue that we're dealing with in this virus, okay? And it doesn't necessarily interfere with their work. And while it is reasonable to ask your remote workers to be available during specific office hours, don't expect them to hold the same exact hours every single day, including that they must take their 10-minute break at this time or even their lunch break as if they were on site. Now, I get it, and I can't get into it into this podcast. I get it that there are some states like California where employees are mandated to take their uh, take their meal break before the fifth and a half hour, but... I don't know, folks, don't take this as legal advice, but I feel like we have bigger issues to deal with right now with COVID-19 than the government worrying about what's going to happen if an employee is working from home and didn't take their meal breaks. But hey, it is what it is. Follow the law as best as you can. Um, I'm not advising either way. Number three, ask employees for their timesheets and invoices. Your remote workers may have the freedom with their schedules, but that doesn't mean you don't need to have proof of the hours that they have logged in. So be sure to request accurate timesheets regularly. That will give you more insight into what your workers are doing each workday. And so to make that process easier, there may be a lot of apps out there, and I could recommend several of them, whether it's timesheets or the, the list goes on. Harvest is a great timekeeping program that's available on an app and for free for that matter. So there's a lot of programs out there where you could record invoices, billable hours, and time data. So it is out there. And number four, request for regular face-to-face time, even if it is still remote. So while working from home has its benefits, being able to work with others in the same location is obviously useful, but when you're put on quarantine like we are now in a sense, that is not possible. So communicating and socializing is going to help workers be more creative. It's going to help them assist with problem solving as well. So if your remote workers are in a local area, you can schedule on-site meetings, as long as you're not under quarantine, depending on the situation, but even then, you can do that through technology, through services like Skype, or even Zoom and Microsoft Teams. In fact, Zoom has made their product available for free, as well as Skype is also a free service. And there are other options out there as well, like Microsoft Teams is a great collaborative website, or program, I should say, or um, uh, Slack. Slack is another one that I've used uh, is in terms of remote work and communication. So with that, those are a few uh, of, of the managing employees uh, and how to work remotely and also discussing the COVID-19 Coronavirus Response Act and, and how to deal with that. So folks, there's a lot happening out there, a lot happening. If there's any advice that I can give to business owners in a time like this, it's very simple. 
Your employees are looking to leadership to see how they are reacting in a time of crisis. And if you are being reactionary rather than proactive and you're running around with your heads cut off, freaking out and over communicating to the point to where it is making people nervous because you can't keep your story straight, that is going to leave all of us uneasy. Take a deep breath, think and relax. Think before any actions that you take. The Cuban Missile Crisis wasn't solved off of reactionary decision-making by John F. Kennedy. In fact, he spent lots of time, lots of time quietly in his office thinking and doodling during important meetings. So just take a deep breath, take some quiet time, go on a walk, get away from people, and think through the decisions before you make them. If you want your people to truly stay with you and to be retained and you want them to work as hard as they possibly can and perhaps even be forced to have to take a pay cut and still keep them productive, you as their leader need to be a true leader and show that you care for them and that you love them and that you're gonna do everything you can to help them succeed during this time. So with that, I'm Dr. Giffen. Thank you for tuning in. If I have any other updates that I feel the content is going to be relevant, I will definitely share that with you. Thanks again. Stay healthy. Take care of one another. And we'll talk to you soon.